Force Radio. Fat Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wynn. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Bat Force Radio, the DC Batman podcast with no limits. We have another awesome interview today, and uh, let's go around and introduce everybody. We have Robin in Canada. Hello. We've got Caesars in Jersey. Yeah. Um, I'm over in California, and uh, right before we get to our guests, let me just introduce the project. The most important comic book on Earth is a global collaboration for planetary change, bringing together a diverse team of 300 leading environmentalists, artists, authors, actors, filmmakers, musicians, and more to present and more to present over 120 stories to save the world. Uh, contributors include Ricky Gervais, Cara Delevingne, Taki Watiti, Jane Goodall, Alan Moore, Brian Azzarello, and many more. Joining us today to talk about the project are Sarah Lord and Paul Goodenough. Hey everyone. Welcome guys. Thanks for having so, us. So how are you uh, both doing by the way? Doing well. I'm, I'm on the East Coast, by the way. I'm uh, down down south. All is over in England. So yeah. Very, very global <laughs> interview today. Yeah, we're, we're all over the place. It's nice, right? Technology. It's all about time internet, right? Yeah. Exactly. So uh, this is an insane project uh, just based off of the intro that we, uh, that we, were, we were showing right there. Um, I think a, a great way to start is maybe Sarah and Paul. Can you guys maybe just give us a little background on your guys's, uh, uh kind of like how did you get involved? Uh, what led to your interest in a project like this? How did you guys get together and work on it? Sure. Well, um, actually, I kind of, I guess I come up with the idea about two and a half years ago. The big thing I saw was that there's lots of people out there doing some fantastic world work in the kind of environmental world. They were really doing the right things and they were saying the right things and they were telling people the right things but they weren't getting to the right audiences they're basically only reaching environmentalists and people who already care and i adore comics absolutely love it if you can't tell from behind me it's my passion so i thought that what comics does really really well better than any other medium is you can go anywhere in any time it can put voices in the the mouths of things that can't talk like animals and obviously intergalactic beings and all sorts. So I thought, what if comics could be the the vessel that allowed environmentalism to get to a different audience? And that's kind of what started it off. And uh, and Sarah and I have been friends for a number of years. Sarah um, really added a key component. I'm just sorry, Sarah, I'm talking on behalf here. But what Sarah did is I brought the, I guess, a lot of the traditional comic creators and Sarah brought a lot of web comic creators and between those two parts I think that's been the kind of the secret of our success that's our secret source if you like yeah amazing um and Sarah so how did you find yourself uh kind of working in this on this project yeah so as Paul said uh we have been friends for many many years and he when he when he mentioned uh, when he mentioned that he would be doing this project, I was very, very keen to get involved. Um, it was kind of a beautiful time as well, because it was just on the, well, beautiful question mark, um, just on the cusp of COVID, really. So um, I had just moved from England to the States. And, um, you know, I, so it was a really great way of engaging in environmentalism, activism, um, and also, you know, just just getting involved. I've been a big comic fan for a very, very long time. Uh, So yeah, it was just a lot of like beautiful crossover. Um, And I mean, Paul, I think had his finger on the pulse very incredibly with, uh, with harnessing the power of storytelling and including, and including an activism narrative that I haven't personally seen before. 
and has huge, huge, huge potential to, you know, to change people's perspectives and views and understanding of, you know, such an important issue. Yeah. Can you guys share a little bit about uh, maybe the listeners who aren't too familiar, but what what is it that uh, the project is attempting to do? So long story short, um, we're a campaign called Rewriting Extinction, and that's basically what we're trying to do. So if you didn't know, uh, across the planet, 100% of people, about 5% of people are actually engaged in trying to change their lives for the environment. So 5% of the planet is a tiny number. So what we're doing is we are focusing on the 95% and giving them really, really simple things to do. No judgment, no politics, just like, hey, guys, if you want to help, here's a simple thing you can do. And we do that by putting it in a story. So we make people first of all care and understand why they should care about, for example, a species or an animal or the planet or plastic pollution, whatever. And then we say, OK, well, if you want to do something about that thing you just read about, if you want to stop that happening, here's a very simple thing you can do. So um, we have the book, the anthology, which is obviously what we're here to talk about. And we also have uh, web comics, which we launch on social media, particularly Instagram. And we have a uh, clothing range. And they all basically do the same thing, which is a judgment-free way to say to somebody, hey, you want to help? Here's how you can do it. And have some fun along the way and enjoy a comic story. Yeah. Um, I have an example <clears throat> right here of uh, something that you guys sent. Uh, for those who can actually see this, if you're watching on YouTube, we are on YouTube. So if you're if you're listening, you can always check it out on YouTube. But this is an example of kind of like the viral content, uh, the, the web comics. Uh, the one in the center... Um, is hilarious and scary at the same time. Um, I think that's my favorite one of the ones I saw. It's about time we had to talk about the birds and the bees. And it's uh, a father talking, and then there's a, a daughter in the back playing with some toys. And then it pans out, and they're on this desolate wasteland of the earth. And the word bubble says, Honey, birds and the bees were small creatures that used to fly in the air. Um, and so oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's a very brutally honest kind of look at the future, it seems like. But... Um, it, uh, funny and also scary at the same time, right? Um, yeah. But that's a good our, example. That's our vibe, man. That's that's exactly what we try and do. <laughs> and a lot of credit has gone out to the creators on it. So Nick Gerwich or Perry Bible Fellowship, who made that comic, he inspired so much of what we did because that comic there, just for me, solidified what we're trying to do. Have a bit of fun. Do something in a funny but interesting way. But like you say, still get the point across. Yeah. And what a genius. I mean, especially kind of uh, finding yourselves working with these kind of online co uh, web comics, because these little memes, whatever it might be, if it's clever and it's funny, it really does blow up. And right here on the bottom right, it says 900,000 likes, yeah. uh, 3,000 comments. Insane. I mean, um, absolutely genius right. to, to get your guys' names out there by doing something like this. Well, Sarah deserves all the credit for that, so I should let you speak on this one, Sarah. Well, I'm going to uh, refute all the all the credit immediately. Um, yeah, no. you're so polite. Listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll uh, we'll regress if we go through the interview, no doubt. Um, yeah, I mean this. I mean this was this was all Paul's uh, brainchild, really. With these, and I think the really beautiful thing about this specifically is that it's such a collaborative thing. All of the comics that we made in this way were done uh were done on a brainstorming session with um with the uh whether it was an activist a scientist a celebrity whoever it was that was kind of fronting the story and then we would have um we would have the creative team so really you know each story was a conversation between a number of people and you know Paul really has his finger on the pulse of understanding how to uh <laughs> disseminate information that you know i mean i think i i personally and i think a lot of us um are experiencing a lot of climate climate fatigue and climate anxiety and uh you know you go to social media and you see deforestation you see plastic pollution you see all of these terrible things and you know whilst it's important to understand what's happening for me personally, the the immediate effect is to just go, well, you know, what 
you know, what, what good am I going to do? You know, there's no point in even trying because that's happening over there. And I, you know, and I'm just little old me over here. Really what these comics do is, uh, and I think, I think we're all guilty of having very, very dark senses of humor. Um, they highlight issues and instead of making it um, an anxiety inducing thing, it's somehow <laughs> totally conversely it's a uh, it's a humor inducing thing so that yeah. attitude and that that approach to it just becomes a lot less scary all of a sudden and as well it's you know it's it's digestible for everyone it's not uh you know it's not preachy it's not lectury um and it's not exclusionary that's something that paul and i have both found dealing you know working in this Neither of us are, uh, are environmental experts by any means. You know, we're just doing what we can do, um, you know, with the information that we have. But what we can do is help people, other people understand it. So a lot of the conversations that are happening are exclusionary and just uh, a tidal wave of information. Uh, whereas really it can just be four panels uh, or two panels or one, you know, how, however many and it can be a joke. Yeah. Absolutely. I've got to just be building what Sarah says there. It's absolutely, you nailed it. And that's what we've been trying to do. Just basically just making it simpler because it really isn't that hard. But when I did a whole bunch of research before I started this, spoke to a bunch of people, uh, did a bit of like actual kind of on the ground, uh, um, kind of user analysis, audience analysis, all that sort of stuff. And the thing that came across really clearly is that most people felt that environmentalism was like this really worthy party of people who were kind of talking a different language. It's like going into like, I don't know, like a, a house party and everyone's talking about like jazz or something and you don't know jazz from, from Adam and you just feel left out. And what Sarah's saying is absolutely right. We're just trying to basically say, look, okay, guys, there are some things we can't control, but with biodiversity, with saving animals, there really is. And it's these things. Yeah, I, I think one of the examples, I wish I had, uh, I thought I had saved it, but I didn't have it uh, up. There's a, there's a comic where it's a, a father and a daughter, and uh, she's explained to him the things he can do. If he just skips meat once a week, yeah. how much water it would save, how much uh, basically of a footprint it would reduce just from one day a week. Yeah. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very clever and insightful. And it shows him at the very end, he's eating a veggie burger on a Monday and it's got, you know, the famous, um, the famous Paul McCartney, uh, song meat, uh, meat free Monday. And, uh, th that is something that I think people don't think about. I, like you were mentioning, Sarah, it's really easy for people to be cynical, especially online. And I think, uh, with a lot of, um, with a lot of things that, uh, people want to do or try to do, there's always a group that'll say, you know, there's there's cynicism that tries to say that whatever you're doing isn't working. There's no point, uh, and it leads people to be less motivated to do something. But this is great because it's motivating you to do something very little, very small, and make a very big impact. That's something I didn't know, and I was just you know for health reasons, I'm trying to eat less red meat or less meat, and so seeing that hey, you know, if you do it once a week, will make a huge change. Um, that's really inspiring to see, and it makes you feel like you can make a difference. And just to say, you absolutely are making a difference. You really can. Like, just some really simple things for you and the listeners. Just super, super simple things. Move your money. If you've got money, check where it is. A lot of the time, your money will be invested in things that are destroying the planet. Move away from that into something that actually helps the planet. That will do 21 times more good than you can do in your life if you went vegan, drove electric cars, and actually went plastic-free. Wow. Just moving your money. Even if you've got a tiny amount, it doesn't matter. It also sends a signal to all the bad companies that no one's going to put up that stuff anymore. Really, really simple thing. Another thing, just plant a clover lawn. Really, really simple. It means you don't have to mow your lawn as well, which is super cool. <laughs> and be a lot more lazy. Clover lawn attracts pollinators. You'll see your garden be full of like all sorts of pollinators local to you. You might get frogs and toads. You'll get butterflies. You'll get birds. You'll get bees, all sorts. And you're, you can be lazy, lazy as hell and just leave that stuff there. Hell yes. <laughs> I, I think that's what the beauty of this whole book is. Like, you're literally just telling people in a visual way just to move the dial a little bit. And it's a chain reaction. Um, and that's very inspiring. Um, 
And it's just, you know, I think what's really great about this is you could just cut out five to 10 minutes out of your day and just read two stories. You know, I gave it a little read uh, this morning and I texted Sarah. I was like, you know, I come from the fashion industry and there was an article about fast fashion and it's so thought provoking. And it just made me stop to think like what getting these these clothes are, these synthetic clothes and what that really does to our everyday living and how these fibers get uh, released in the air and you're breathing it like you don't think about that stuff. And it's about sustainability and um, the fact that the way that it's made, you know, like we were saying with other things, like it wastes water and it's a chain reaction. And that's the thing that's so uh, thought provoking to me. And it's going to make me really start being aware and also letting my family know, my friends, that these little events are triggering and, and can make such a bigger difference. So it's, uh, oh, it's the beauty of it. It's like you could read something small and be inspired or you can cut out some time and go more in depth. And I think this is something that you could just read every year or, you know, as the world changes, you're going to have a new perspective on these issues. So it's really, yeah, uh, I, I could agree with you more. I've heard from somebody actually, it, it, it makes perfect, perfect sort of like toilet bathroom restroom book. It's almost like a journal, like a visual journal and there's, like Sarah said before, there's such an influx of information that you just can't take it in in one shot. It's just, you have to just take it in increments. You can grab things that are relatable to yourself and there's just something for everyone. So it's, it's great. I can't wait to just pick it up and continue. Yeah. yeah. I, I love the idea of bringing uh, the medium of comics and something like this. And I, Apologize to everyone for highway sound. I broke a tooth and is very much affecting my speech, so I'm trying to be quiet. But uh, <laughs> what we do all the time is speaking with comic creators, and that is really for a very small number of people. Not everyone reads comics, and even amongst those who do, the number that want to listen to interviews with comic creators is small. But this is combining that world of people that are into comics and giving them something new that will speak to them about these causes and you're also giving the people who are already into those causes a road into comics like the number of comic well-known established comic creators that are involved in this uh, many people that we know well like uh, scott snyder and and jock uh, all of these creators that are that are a part of this project uh, that are well known to the comic world is giving a, a direct avenue to for your movement to speak to this, right to this audience. Uh, how did uh, a lot of these names come about be becoming involved? Uh, basically, it was either Sarah or I annoying the crap out of them. <laughs> that, that's exactly how I get them on the show. <laughs> 22 and a half thousand emails were sent. Wow. Over wow. 3,000 Zoom I hours. I think that was, that was on your account, wasn't it, Paul? So uh, not 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 accounting for my my little poddings as well. Wow. So, yeah, a lot of annoyance between the two of us, or rather, annoying. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know all about doing that. <laughs> and so, so some uh, Sarah, you mentioned you jumped on right around COVID. So was that like around the beginning of twenty twenty? Uh, that sounds about yeah. That'd be right, wouldn't it, Paul? Wow, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, Basically, COVID kicked our shins something chronic. Um, you know, the publishing industry, we're, we're working with DK Books. And, yeah, just it really made things hard. Um, for about that, I don't know if you will remember, but when the lockdown first hit and COVID first hit, everybody shut down. Mm. Everybody suddenly just went, oh, I want to spend time with my family. All of our contributors, understandably, were otherwise engaged or had things they needed to deal with in their own life. So about six months, it was it was pushing a boulder up a hill with your nose. Mm, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, everything stopped. Even the 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 big publishers, uh, DC, Marvel, etc., stopped publishing comics. Mm. I think it was an especially interesting time, though, for this project. You know, we've we've already established it's a very uh, very global project with you know, over three hundred contributors from literally all around the world. So. Um, I mean, really, for COVID to happen around that time, it was quite interesting to be in the confines of our own houses and to constantly be on Zoom calls. And 
I mean, in a way, the accessibility of everyone, uh, you know, being able to uh, communicate over video link was, you know, was incredibly, incredibly helpful. And I'm not, you know, I'm not really sure if, if that would have happened so much if, um, if, if COVID wasn't, wasn't the case. And I think as well, equally, um, we, you know, collectively, we had so much anxiety about, you know, humanity's future, not to make it too, not to be too dramatic about it, um, <laughs> but getting so, so uh, anxious about, you know, what, what exactly we've done, what our impact on the planet is. And then as well, you know, once the, you know, once everybody abandoned the cities and everybody was, was held up, all the animals came back. And I, that was like one of the most significant moments to me over the course of COVID was looking at my newsfeed and seeing that these animals had kind of reclaimed the cities. So I think in a way, you know, we kind of, you know, we were removed from nature, a lot of us, but then there was just a really beautiful, interesting thing happening with our relationship with nature, uh, mm -hmm. you know, on a micro scale and a macro scale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was kind of a, a double-edged sword where I feel like it did, it did allow for communication maybe at times to be a bit easier when everyone's available on a Zoom call. But like you're saying, um, the scary part about it is um, I don't think it did really great things for people's mental health to be holed up inside for as long as they were and still continue to be. And um, if we aren't care, well, if we if we don't take care of our planet, this is the future of humanity. This is what it's going to be. We're going to be stuck inside living in a virtual world because the natural world around us cannot sustain us because we poisoned it so much. So that's at least what it, it, I think a lot of people kind of thought about that. And hopefully that maybe led to more motivation to maybe making changes, at least, you know, personally, um, it made me think about my family and health and the future. And I want to be around and, you know, what can I do for myself and what, and others around me. So yeah, it was, it was a good time of reflection, I think for sure. Right. Mm. Absolutely. And I don't know if you know, but like places like QA, you just can't go outside for massive parts of the day, it's so hot. There's so little in ways of trees over there. You just can't. People just sit inside their house and sit, stick the AC on, and that is their life. Yeah. You know, oh man, <clears throat> something that I think about all the time, I went on vacation recently to Florida and um, and Disney World, and the <laughs> everything, the AC is on everywhere, 24-7 in those places. And I'm mm -hmm. like, there's like no ozone here, right? That's kind of what's going on. And it's just insane to think about it and uh, sad, too. So it's just like, you know, I think the last couple of years have, have been good for stopping and thinking about, all right, what are we doing and what are we going to do about it? And um, I wanted to share a little bit about you guys sent over a great slide. So this is kind of one that um, just kind of gives a really quick understanding. We are a historic project to raise money and awareness for seven projects to reverse extinction across the planet. Can you guys tell us a little bit about um, these these uh, groups that you've been working with? Yeah, sure. That's probably one I should lead on. Um, so I was inspired heavily by uh, a group of people, Greta Thunberg, George Monbiot, and Tom Mustel. They made a short film called Nature Now. And what that did was it, it really reframed things for me because it wasn't really just talking about all the problems. It said, look, okay, we know one of the big solutions. It's stop destroying land. That's number one. Number two is change the system that makes that land destruction normal. And number three, plant some trees. <laughs> it's like, it was, it was really mm. simple. It was just like, bum, 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 just do these three things and we can reverse it. So what I did from that, I, I went and spoke to some people I know, some experts, some professors, some people I knew in the charity sector. And I found these seven projects that would do those three things, which is, Firstly, who good out there can change the system, who can change the way the world operates and actually stop it from being so destructive? And that, for me, is Greenpeace. So Greenpeace is all about systemic change, changing the way the humanity operates. The second piece is how can we actually stop land from being destroyed? And the best way of doing that is to purchase the land and hold it in trust for indigenous groups, mm. the groups of communities who've lived there for generation after generation, but who cannot buy their land because they don't 
either have the concept of money and currency in their culture or they can't afford it. So we step in, buy the land for them and hold it in trust. The third piece is restoration projects, which is going around and finding the missing species in ecosystems. Because if you can re-add those singular species back in, you can completely revolutionize the entire ecosystem. And if you hadn't heard about it before, we, um, it happened with uh, Yellowstone when they reintroduced the wolf. What happened is there, the wolf kept the deer numbers down, which changed the amount of trees that were being basically destroyed by the deers and the deer, sorry. And they also it affected the weather patterns inside Yellowstone. And mm. it started completely rebuilding the ecosystem. So we then found five charities, each of whom are reintroducing species that will revolutionize that part of the world and one for each major continent. So that's the wildlife trusts in, in the UK. They're reintroducing the beaver, which will help stop flooding. There's uh, Rewild, who are working in um, Australia and uh, in Vietnam, who are reintroducing the Tasmanian devil. And the Tasmanian devil, what it does, it goes around picking up all the detritus on the floor of the forests. And then that stops wildfires. Mm. And you've got rewilding Europe. They're introducing tons of animals across Europe. Born Free, who are working to save some of the big cats, like the lions and tigers in Africa. And you've got Reserva, who are working in the South, Southern America region. And what they're doing is they're helping local communities to safeguard the most endangered animals over there as well. So, yeah, that was a very long answer. But <laughs> what we tried to do is find the charities whose projects would do those three things. Something that um, I think uh, really woke people up during COVID um, was the viral show Tiger King. Oh, and yeah. uh, it did a good job of uh, highlighting, number one, uh, a very insane um, kind of small culture that is happening in uh, the States. A lot of us had no idea about these like private farms of big cats or private, what do they call it? Zoos, private mm -hmm. zoos of big cats. And, uh, n number one, the fact that there's this whole, this whole culture about it. And then number two, how there's no laws, there's like no laws regulating any of that. And, mm -hmm. and that was the, the craziest thing to me. It's, you can just own like as many tigers as you want. And a lot of these are endangered species, you know, you can just own them. And there's these loopholes within the law that allows you to do it. And I think as a result of the show, luckily, it brought it to the forefront of the public eye. And because of that, they started shutting them down. They started making laws against them. Um, is there is there is there things that you've found like that where it just blows you away that there's just no laws against or there isn't more of an effort to kind of like conserve in this sense? Absolutely. Have you guys seen Sea Spiracy, any of you? Mm -mm. No. Sarah? Uh, I, I started watching it, and then I think I think some, something happened. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> I, I won't ruin it for everyone, but if you haven't seen it already, watch Sea Spiracy. Um, there, for example, are things, that as, a, as a company, if you do, like, fishing, you can basically pay to get uh, what looks like a certification on the side of your product, but it's all just BS. Uh -huh. It's just basically you're paying to get logo, and it doesn't mean that your your food is whale and dolphin safe, for example. Uh -huh. okay. Utterly awful. There's lots of those things out there. But I, yeah. I, I should say, that, I mean, just for the listeners as well and for everyone here, honestly, things are getting better. They really uh -huh. are. There's like so much improvement happening. It's happening really super quickly. The whole point of what we're doing is trying to make sure that while humanity's changing its ways, do we save as many species as we can so that in 20 years time, we don't have to look at tigers on our phone. We can actually go and see them <laughs> in their native habitat, you know? Yeah. Here's the, uh, oh, Sarah, you were going to say something. Well, I, I was just going to say, whilst we're kind of within the realm of talking, you know, talking about the different projects and the different charities, obviously we've, we've highlighted a lot of the issues over the last half hour and I don't want to bring everyone down too much. Um, well, I don't know if you, I don't know if you want to like give some statistics on the, you know, on the actions that we've that we've helped over the last ten months that we've been working. Absolutely, yeah. Well, that is a really good point. So, um, together with our partners, um, we've raised about two million dollars, wow. which isn't which isn't a massive amount of money when you think about environmentally. You know, it's ninety trillion has been spoken about internationally in terms of investment. So. Two million dollars isn't much, but for environmentalism and saving animals, 
you can really use that in good places. So what that's enabled our, our charities to do, specifically the World Land Trust, for example, is to save 625 species who are facing extinction, buy 3,300 acres of land in Guatemala and give that to the local communities, and also then sponsor the reintroduction of animals across all of the world and start to rebuild the ecosystems. And on top of all that, those are the kind of very tangible monetary stuff. We've reached 150 million people on, on Instagram, mostly, and other social media, but mostly Instagram. And our recent comic that we did with Wawa Wiwa, which was um, basically fronting a, a campaign by Greenpeace to save 30% of the oceans, uh, got a million new signatures like within a few hours of the, the comic dropping. Wow. Yeah, so there's some, some really big, really big things have happened. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's interesting as well. Uh, the, the States is, uh, sorry, America is one of the, uh, is one of the most uh, charitable nations in the world. You know, there is so much money that is donated to different causes, but historically and currently, uh, the the environmental you know donations and investments are are so minimal compared uh, compared to you know to other causes. So I think it's about I think it's less than two percent of mm. uh, funds are donated to environmental causes. A lot of them are religious causes or. You know, a, a lot, a lot of stuff comes before the environmental sector um, of, you know, of charitable stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, please. Well, it's actually just building on Sarah's point. It might blow people's mind, but you can buy an acre of rainforest for about a hundred dollars, and that's Whoa. safe forever. Wow. It, and that it just puts it all in perspective. You know, each book we sell is three meters of rainforest is going to be safe forevermore. Wow. You know, if we actually did, if, if we had, if Rewrite Extinction had just one hundredth of the money that was being, let's say, for example, someone like big, like a big uh, charity like UNICEF get, you know, we, could, we could honestly say, okay, well, here's these 10 spots in the world. They're safe. Problem solved. Let's move away. Let's move on to the next one. Mm. Um, I was going to say something that, uh, not to get, you know, not to get too political or anything like that, but one of the things I feel like is really detrimental to a lot of em environmental causes is how it gets tied up, uh, you know, with those in power who, um, really they just want to continue to make money. So, um, conserving, you know, land is not uh, great for production. So they are great with demonizing certain causes and you know spreading false information in regards to what helps versus what doesn't and they get things tied up um you know through legislation that really kind of puts a pause on any kind of progress towards uh saving something so it's really and especially here in the united states it's like it's an art form really the way we do it and uh, the way we're able to kind of like our politicians are able to get away with it but um yeah it's unfortunate that there's a lot of misinformation out there about about that kind of thing um, another thing about, about, uh, the conservation of land too, um, there's so much out there that has not been, um, kind of explored or found. Like there's so many things naturally that, uh, are out there that if they are not protected, they're just going to be gone. And not just that, you know, um, especially in parts of the rainforest, there's undiscovered areas that are just holding ruins of civilization that might have been, you know, around that we don't know about. And uh, they're just chopping that stuff down and building stuff onto it. And what a shame, you know. So um, I did want to ask you, Paul, Paul, you're saying that comics is a big um, passion for you. So I do want to talk about some of these contributors. I'm sure that you were absolutely jazzed uh, when they started kind of joining the uh, the cause but uh alan moore i mean he's that's insane to get him on board right can you talk a little bit about how you were able to get alan moore involved well i basically hired an owl <laughs> said that to me. <laughs> yeah so um you probably know alan's not on social media and he's not particularly a contactable human being um yeah not fond so, of people 
<laughs> it's like, I, like a good magician, I can't reveal my secrets too much. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I reached out to to him, Melinda, and basically, I just wrote a letter. That's basically the easiest way of doing it. I, I wrote a letter and sent a little video and said, "Hey, would you both be up for doing something?" I know because I know a little bit about the things they care about and things. Trying to tell. I'm so sorry, Paul. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I think you you dropped out real quick. But okay. you were t- talking about sending a letter to Alan. I'm so sorry about that. No, it's fine. So, yeah, so basically I, I sent a quick letter to, to Alan and Melinda and a little video with it. And I knew some of the stuff they'd done with Extinction Rebellion in the past. And I just flout asked them. I said, look, I know you care about the planet. I know you care about this stuff. Would you like to come out of retirement and write a little comic story? And luckily I got an owl back and it confirmed. <laughs> Had a little yes in its beak. That's amazing! Wow, I, I I picture that the owl had a large beard <laughs> to, to be more uh, approachable. <laughs> yeah, it was basically whatever it sat in the room, it was shrouded in uh, in shadow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, and one that blows me away is Jane Goodall that you you got her to contribute to the project as well. Can you guys talk about that? Yes. Yeah, so uh, a lot of credit is owed to Ben Garrett, who is just a phenomenal human being. Um, so he, he's basically a, a real expert in the field, um, specifically around promptology. And um, I met up with Ben and I just flower asked him because he, he worked in New Jane. And and I've got to say, Jane is one of the most impressive people I've met. And I've met a lot of people. In fact, actually, right next to me. <laughs> This wasn't planned, honestly. Right next to the book. And she was offended because my name didn't make the front cover, whereas everyone else's did. And I'm sure hers did as well. Yeah, hers got the got the front cover, but mine didn't. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she wrote me a, a lovely little message and wrote my name in in, oops, in big oh, wow. in the front. <laughs> and she is just such a sweetheart. And the things that I would the thing I would say about Jane is she sacrifices so much of her own life to do good for the planet and she couldn't have done enough to help us. So yeah, I, I, she deserves so much credit. Yeah. An amazing name to add to your cause. I mean, mm. uh, you know, it's, I, I've watched uh, countless hours of her talking on YouTube. Um, I used, when I was in college, I actually uh, like fell asleep, would fall asleep to her video, to videos and interviews with her um, just because I, I love listening to her. And, uh, you know, she should, like, start an S- S- ASMR channel or something like that. Just kind of, like, <laughs> similar to you guys, you know, you're finding, a, you're finding a new audience through comics. She could find a new audience through, like, that kind of thing because she's so soothing. But um, is there any – Sarah, for you, what would you say would be a contributor that you guys have had where you're, like, blown away that you've been able to work with them? Yeah, I mean, for me, Alan Moore was uh, was a very, very exciting addition to the team, and Paul, Paul was kind of working on that on the sly. So when we when he kind of re- released that information, I did have a, a, a kind of jaw drop moment. Um, but one one contributor that really stood out for me, and this may be a little uh, a little uh, biased because it was a story that. Um, a story that I wrote, and we had um, Zoe Thorogood um, illustrate, and she is, I mean, she's just so, so incredible, and she, I mean, she, she turned that around so quickly for us. It was uh, it was definitely in, in the crunch time of, uh, of getting all the deadlines for the stories in, and she is, she's just so incredibly talented and, um, and easy to work with, so... That was some. I, I hadn't. I hadn't. I wasn't very familiar with her work before, so that was a really kind of awesome way to uh, to be introduced to her stuff and uh, kind of mainlined all of her <laughs> mainlined all of her work after that. Yeah, and it seems like this isn't the typical avenue that these uh, artists and uh, writers have an opportunity to work in, um, especially if it's something that they're passionate about. Um, it kind of adds a little bit of a different uh, flavor to the work because they are probably more driven than say something that they're working on through like a, a big publisher that that's just kind of their job. You know, this is something that's more fun and exciting that gets, gets them to be able to kind of add more of their own voice to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got to say people really pulled out the stops. 
there was some some creators I actually didn't know who cared a lot about animals particularly, who just yeah, like like Sarah said, it just absolutely nailed it and did it quickly and did it with absolute love in their hearts. And there were uh, comic creators who I would have perhaps assumed cared more about the planet, who we just basically had to drop because it just was for them a job. Oh man. Yeah. There are there are a lot of people who went above and beyond, and and frankly, who still still continue to go above and beyond for us. Um, mm. You know, we were, we touched on it earlier the cross pollination that happens with a project like this, where you have so many people from so many different walks of life and uh, you know expertise, and everyone's just coming together to tell that story or you know whatever whatever it is. It was really beautiful um, to have. You know, people with, especially with the, uh, especially with the uh, web comic creators like uh, War and Peace and um, and Dino Dino and Comics, like it was so awesome how much they wanted to give and contribute um, to to that storytelling. You know, they have millions of followers. Save Chris McCoy from Safe Quarantine Danger, millions of followers that they've built up over so many years. And, you know, something like this, they just really wanted to, you know, help us and put their voice um, to help other people and, you know, understand and share information. It was, it was mm. really cool. That's great. Has there been any, any times when maybe working with someone has led to, like you say, a surprise with uh, not knowing, like, oh, I have this friend, they really want to work with you guys or they really would be into this? And you're like, Wait, really? Okay. Well, actually, yeah. I mean, the, my big surprise was um, when uh, Cara Delevingne texted me and said, what about Taika Waititi? And I nearly lost my shit. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think we can find a spot. <laughs> we can, uh, yeah, we can crowbar him at him in somewhere. Right yeah, at and, the back. And, and, <laughs> and another great thing about this is, you know, you're you're giving work to these people who don't have a lot going on, you know, giving work to, to Alan Moore, to Taika Waititi, giving work to owls. You know, there's not enough dialogue going on about how difficult it is for owls to find work in this climate. <laughs> yeah. That Taika, I hope he blows up sometime because he's such a talent, you know, such a oh, great man. He, he could, he could yeah. really make it. One of these yeah, days we'll no, see him in something, but um, <laughs> he'll have something going on. But yeah, that that is... I mean, the fact that you're texting Cara Delevingne and then, hey, by the way, you know, that's an amazing thing uh, in itself. But um, who has been, aside from Alan Moore, aside from Taika, what what have, what have other uh, situations have you found yourself in, Paul, where you're like, oh, my God? Uh, John Wagner was a really good one and Brian Azzarello, um, both of whom we just said, hey, look, you know, we know it's, it's an anthology. It's a charity thing. You know, if you could turn out a page or two. John, I think we did like six stories with John Wagner. Whoa! Yeah, I know we didn't actually manage to fit them all in in the end. Uh, and Brian Azzarello did did two, which again I was not expecting. I was hoping we might have squeeze one in, and again they just they just went above and beyond, man. They really did. And mm. uh, and there's so many people though. There was uh, um, a web cartoonist called Mira Petrova, who runs Aware Animals. And again, we're like, yeah, can we can we squeeze one in? I think she's made seven comics for us now. Wow. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it really is that thing because people can get divided over humanitarian issues or they can get divided over political issues, but everyone loves animals. Come on. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I've got yeah. a few, few of those stories. Yeah. Um, there were definitely a few fangirling moments where I had to take a few deep breaths. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a professional. I can handle this. I can handle this phone call fine. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't only imagine, you know, especially when, like you said, you know, this is something that uh, I think no matter who you are, where you are, um, it's a, it's a cause that people are passionate about because um, like you said, who doesn't love animals, who doesn't have pets of their own that just contribute an enormous amount of love to their own life. And um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great, kind of way to connect with people in general. So I wanted to share this uh, slide real quick about some of the, um, some of the specifics that you're trying to fight for. Mm. Um, and so these are, these are one in four species are at risk of extinction. And again, you know, I don't think people think about this enough about um, some of the, the coral reefs, especially I forget what I was watching or learning about 
where you're you're watching the depletion of the coral reefs and how important they are and the ecosystem that they provide. And it's so such a massive, massive, uh, massively important thing uh, about mm. that specifically. But um, what are some of the? Can you share with us, you know, a couple of things that you guys are fighting for the specifics of the this, the species and all that? Yeah. So um, Tasmanian devil reintroduction is a big one for us because that will reduce wildfires in Australia, um, and that's going to be. As the temperature rises, wildfires are going to be more and more prevalent. And what wildfires will do is they will also decrease oxygen quality mm. and they will also change weather patterns. So that's a really big one. So that's with Rewild over in Australia. That's a, a really big one. We're also pushing hard for a thing called 30 by 30, which is the um, basically humanity just leaving 30% of the planet the hell alone. So that's mm. oceans and land, just saying 30% of it, let's just get the hell out of Dodge and leave that to do its own thing. Because the, the, the science says if you leave, I think, 36 or 37% of the ocean alone, it will actually repopulate the entire ocean with uh, the amount of fish. Because they, fish repopulate really quickly, but they can't do it when they're constantly getting um, these 100-mile-long, 100-kilometer-long drag nets that are just destroying them and their habitat if you can just leave stuff alone that's a really big thing um so yeah those are two two of the kind of big ones um we're also looking in uh in argentina um to buy a plateau up there which is home to a good number of very endangered species right now what happens is that species is that as they're getting close to extinction they kind of retreat to these little areas where there's not much humanity and unfortunately, those areas where they've been retreating to are gradually getting sold off to business, be that mm. meat industry, forestry, mining, whatever it might be. So we're trying to get in there before them and buy it. So, mm. yeah, <laughs> that, that tends to be our focus. Anything to uh, screw over a big company is uh, I'm a fan of. Uh, <laughs> if we can if we can buy out their land, that's great. Um, whatever we can do, you know, get their lights turned off, whatever we can do. So and the good thing is, Tom. The, the the governments will actually sell it to charities significantly cheaper than they'll sell it to business because they want they want they don't want it to get destroyed. Yeah. But the fact is that sometimes, like in some parts of the world, people there just cannot afford to not sell their land. They just don't have the money. They need to basically survive. And as as obviously global warming is affecting their crops, they can't farm anymore. So they need to sell land to be able to keep going. And they'd much rather sell it to somebody who says hey, we're not going to do anything to this land, leave it alone, then someone coming in with great big diggers and just destroying it all. Speaking to Sarah, and, you know, we know guys like Cliff Chang, and he. what was cool is after we interviewed him a couple of weeks ago, he only lives like a town away from me. And the second <laughs> I wrote to him, he wrote me back immediately. He's like, I need to be on the show. And unfortunately, he had like something to do with family today, but he spoke so highly of you guys. And that's where... That just puts my head like we need to make the show happen because someone as passionate as him and um, guys like Azarello being on this project, it was just, you know, I was just urging the guys like, hey, we need to use this amazing platform that you've created and embrace that with our community as well because the fact that this is just a comic and I think you've created this, this recipe for just other people to be inspired by you know and i think that's what's so powerful about this and and i think this is just the beginning for this you know like i'm i'm seeing this book and i'm imagining like multiple volumes don't say it don't say it don't say it i'm giving a heart attack yeah you don't have the man hours for that right i don't have i don't have the i don't have the years left in me i'm I'm literally i'm looking at i'm looking down the end of the road at the minute your your eyes you know peeled wide open but paul is on the brink you know i wanted to jump real quick before i wanted to ask you um so when you had this idea and you got all these collaborators how long did it actually take to get everything compiled and actually get it to print and from A to B, like how long did it take a year, a year and a half to like, cause this no, is no. an impossible feat. Like I'm, I'm looking through this and I can't blink because like visually it changes so much that it's so visually appealing to me that I, my eyes are going, but then I want to slow down and like cherry pick, you know? So 
Yeah, actually, we did it at breakneck speed. I think the whole thing was seven and a half months. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's unreal. And, well, we actually started off, when I first started um, the project, I think I wanted to be about 180 pages, something like that, you know. And um, the problem, the, the great problem, is we had a lot of people sign up early who were really into the stuff. And then we started getting a few celebrities involved, then a few more, then a few more. And then at the end, it was like, well, we've got a story we can do with the McCartney family. We've got a story we can do with Taika Waititi, Jane Goodall. And you're like, well, I think we need to fit those in. So it went from like 180 (laughs) pages to 352 in the last like two, three months. Wow. (laughs) Which nearly killed us. Crazy exclusive club. And... (laughs) It's only going to get worse for you guys, you know. Like people get on <laughs> list, and the second I went on your website, I wrote to Robin because you know Robin coordinates talent and he has this great connection. But I was like Robin, I'm like, look at the list that they have. Like it's insane. It's like untouchable. So uh, it it's going to get worse for you guys. I mean, it's it's infectious what you guys have done, and um, I don't see why anyone would not want to be just jumping at this opportunity. Yeah, and I think that they they deserve the credit as well because, of course, it wasn't just Sarah and I who brought everyone on board. Uh, Will Dennis, who is the editor, he he did so much work in bringing people on board. Mike Perlman as well, and Bistringer Horn and Tyler Jens did, did a lot of work too. Um, but actually, our contributors did. You know, they basically reached out on our behalf. You know, so most of the people we spoke to or worked with us said, what about X? What about Y person? So, yeah, I mean, it really was. I, this could sound really sort of like an overused expression, but I don't, I consider myself at least to be the person who built the stage, not the rock star. And it was a little bit like some sort of uh, big rock event that one band would then just bring another and bring another and bring another. And as you say, Teaser says, there's a lot more coming down the road now. Um, mm. So, most weeks we get at least one or two kind of international stars say, Hey, can I do one with you? And we're still doing them. Yeah, this is this is uh, very much live aid in a book. I was going to say, Paul Paul can be Bob. Paul can be Bob Geldof. (laughs) I was going to say, I think it's like more like Wayne's World Part Two, where they they put on Wayne Stock. Yeah, Wayne Stock. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. If you build it, they'll come. (laughs) Yeah, Wayne Stock. I much prefer that. (laughs) Paul Stock. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know something that uh, before my my beautiful dogs interrupted us. Um, one of the things I was saying that um, is a good point on your behalf on that you mentioned, Paul, that you know uh, the lands that were that belonging to like indigenous peoples and those cultures have no interest in putting any um, value in money or things like that, you know, or currency. And so yeah, that's you don't think about the fact that. Um, they're taking the best care of this land, you know, it's sacred to them. Um, but because they don't have an interest in material possessions, they're the least likely to be able to hold on to it. And it's like, man, that is so insane, you know, to think about. It's screwed up, man. It really is absolutely screwed up. I could talk for hours about something that a guy called George Monbiot um, explained to me about the rights of land use and who owns it. And there's this really weird law which says that if you break the soil with a, with a shovel you and no one else lives there, it's yours. So there's this whole thing where they basically just paid people to go out and start breaking like land and saying, well, that's mine, that's mine. Wow. It's bonkers. And they, yeah, it's one of the biggest crimes, the biggest unknown crimes of the planet that mm-hmm. actually, you know, we think that we own... I say we mean the West Society. We think we own a lot of the the land, and that's just because we've written on a bit of paper. Mm. <laughs> we, did, we didn't buy it. Yeah. We didn't. We didn't do any deals. We didn't agree it. We just went over there and shoved our spades in it. You've missed them aside, and um, and then claimed it as our own. Yeah, I, th- really I think wild. I'm in danger of uh, revealing revealing a great ignorance of mine. But before this project, I didn't. I really didn't grasp the kind of breadth of I know this sounds so silly but like how global the world is and I know that sounds so ridiculous but you know being indoctrinated into western you know know, growing up in western culture and kind of being indoctrinated into you know the you know 
you know, thinking that laws like that, like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, um, you know, when really it doesn't at all. And having all of these conversations with all of these people around the world um, that, you know, don't adhere to that, uh, those laws or that culture, whatever it is, understanding how many <clears throat> different, like, experiences of life that are i know that sorry i know this makes me sound so silly but i i really didn't grasp it before this project and understanding how inapplicable you know the way that we consider things are to someone you know the other side of the world you know and it, it's it, it is truly crazy that you know western you know western culture um you know has kind of become become that standard and then as well you know, the effects of global warming will, will, will and are being felt by people in the, uh, in the Southern Hemisphere far before they are in the Northern Hemisphere, even though a lot of it is, uh, is um, due to, to Northern activities specifically. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, it's a really interesting melody. Yeah, you know, and I don't think you have anything to be, uh, you know, ashamed or nervous about. I, I think that your experience is very similar to most people's experience where they're just so caught up in everything that they have. You know, the, everyone has uh, something happening, a, a life that they're leading. And it's you. This is why this is so smart is because you're putting this this idea into areas that these people are kind of you're constantly online you're constantly looking at your feed you're constantly scrolling the internet and you're always laughing at funny things you're always looking at clever content and it's what you kind of follow so now you guys are injecting the important things into that feed and i think it's great because that's exactly the type of person that needs to hear this stuff um the individual who is really wrapped up in their kind of little bubble you know because of everything they have happening this is a great opportunity to kind of show them, hey, look at what's going on in the world around you. Yeah. And I think the best thing, you know, it's it's crazy, but you really need to break out of your little bubble, your little fake bubble that you live in to understand that as a species, we need the natural world to really ground ourselves and understand what, you know, how we have a place in this world. And it's a really weird time right now where there's this push to live outside of the natural world. You know, NFTs and the metaverse and all these things is such a push to live digitally. We don't even need our bodies anymore. We're just going to be living, you know, uh, digitally. And um, you really need to understand, you know, go outside, lay on the grass and just soak it all up. That's that's where we belong. And, you know, we need to protect it and we need to protect the animals in it. Um, and you guys are doing an amazing job of putting it, that message into places that it needs to be in, in the metaverse, right? <laughs> anyway. Thank you. So. Yeah, like, yeah. To, to, to me, sorry, um, I'm sorry um, this book is about personal accountability, you know, like, and I, and I learned that today just by reading a good, like, five or ten segments, and I was just like, you don't think, and and it's the same formula with other things, whether you're voting or you're just thinking that you can't make a change, but by you just committing to a small change of action, it's infectious. And that's what, that's what spreads. And that's what, to me, that's what this book about, is about. And it's like, you're talking about rewriting extinction and it is about animals, but it's also about human beings and the way that we're thinking and the way that we're, we're amongst each other and what we could do to help each other. So to me, like, that's what hit me. And um, I'm going to keep reading it and, delving into these things but it's about personal accountability to me that that that's what i got out of um my first run at reading a lot of these mm. yeah man that means that means a lot because you're absolutely right i mean no matter what people want to do what we're trying to do is say look here's a funny piece of content or an interesting piece of content just enjoy it and if you want mm -hmm. to do something about it you've got options buy the book that gets basically every book gets three meters of rainforest one book three meters of rainforest safe done so if you just buy the book instantly you've made a big difference but like you tease if you read it through and you actually make some life changes you can do a lot more than that but whether people want to donate on our website rewritingextinction.com every hundred dollars uh, roughly depending on where it is can get an acre of acre of land saved whether the people want to buy our, our clothes like i'm wearing a t-shirt now Again, every, everything we get, 100% of the money we get goes free to help the projects. And that's just what we're trying to do, really, is just give a really simple, guilt-free way of saying, you want to help do this thing. Mm -hmm. 
I, I think the biggest takeaway, biggest takeaway for me, and I know for Paul, it's been huge as well, is the, you know, in the form in the form of comics, um, you know, we have the uh, the narrative ability to make it really simple or really complicated and really grand, and there is that mix in the book of really lighthearted, bite-sized, satirical, or, you know, whatever it is, and then really, really beautiful lyrical. Uh, grand pieces and you know these all intermingle together but one thing that in talking to people uh directly who have bought the book or have been following us online and hearing what they have to say about the project the biggest thing that anyone has said to us has been uh the impact that it's had on their ability to communicate about these issues either as a family or with their friends whatever it is you know i think we're all very aware that this uh you know Climate change and uh, you know species extinction is something that affects all of us, but we don't have the language to to discuss it, or you know the questions to ask, like all that all that kind of thing. So it's been really really touching. Tom, you pulled you picked uh, picked the comic about which I love the Luna Baboon comic, um, where with the little with the daughter telling her father about the impact of you know reducing meat one day that is all based on a conversation. And I think that's the power of this project is putting the putting the power into everyone else's hands to have those conversations and to learn from each other. Uh, I think so. We're at Thought Bubble, weren't we? And um, Sarah and I were basically just exhibiting there and uh, this family come up and it was so sweet because they, they opened up the book and um, it was a dad, I think, who said, actually, your book's been really helpful because my son it was his son i think daughter. has been the door sorry has been talking to me about these issues and i never really got it before but then they showed me the book and pointed at the comic and said this is what i care about and it completely changed that family because yeah. they can then talk about it yeah this is something that steve and i have been talking about as well it's like the inter the intergenerational issue with this you know the issue of uh of the changing climate is um, is entirely intergenerational, you know, being inherited by everyone constantly all around the world. Um, and, as, you know, particularly within a family unit, being able to uh, communicate that and understand, you know, what it is and how to, how to have that conversation. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of these little comics can give something that people can remember and then you can just quote that, that little bit of a comic, you know, when... when can give you something that you maybe didn't know how to concisely articulate that you can just repeat that to someone now and then message received by by another person yeah yeah robin have you seen that comic that says it's a climate summit it's like a one panel comic made by joel pet and it says it's got listed on, on a board saying all the benefits of having a greener planet like you know improved water better food systems uh you know it basically lists all the benefits of a green planet it's got this guy in the audience saying what if we changed the planet? It was all for nothing, or you know, something mm-hmm. like that. And that, <laughs> comic, <laughs> that comic has won millions of arguments all over the planet because whenever people see in like online forums people saying, "Ah, oh, but it doesn't matter," people drop that comic in as a comment, and then the person who's made the point is like, "Okay, you got me there." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, don't be that guy. <laughs> to many to many acquaintances so um, i'm absolutely guilty of appropriating joel pet's genius on that part and we're still planning the next one sarah i don't know if you know we're planning to do a a, a, like a a remix of it oh really nice um something that you guys mentioned that getting the children and getting the children to teach their parents is massive and uh, that's that's awesome, you know, a little kid holding up the book and pointing at the picture, and the parent finally realizing, "Oh, I get it now." Is I mean, that's got to be uh, amazing to hear. Um, it reminds me of this commercial about I think it was an appliance. I don't even remember what appliance it was, but the whole selling point of the appliance is that it it uses up less energy or it's better for the environment, and so it shows like this really 
begrudging and tired father. He's got the ad in his hand and he's going to the salesman. He's like, do you guys have this? It's supposed to be better for the environment. And it shows the little daughter and she's holding up a picture of polar bears. And she goes, but the polar bears, daddy. And that's the whole, that's the whole reason why he's buying it because he's got to help save the polar bears for his daughter. Cause she saw it on the, on the poster and it's, it's genius, but all we, all we need is every child all over the world, all of the oil companies, you know, all their little children to just be like, Please, Father, <laughs> don't drill into every every inch of the globe. Yeah, exactly. But well, uh, um, adding to what that too, it's like if you could just take a little time with educating yourself on how the products that you support are made, you're making such a difference. Like, um, you know, back to fashion too. It's like major companies are trying to make more of an initiative to just deal with uh, factories that are using less water, less energy. Um, like that is such a big component to the product and, and also just affecting us going forward. So to me, like me personally, like I want to do more research and that that's what you, what kind of brings you together with these brands as well as a fan, but, and as a supporter, but you just have to take a little time just to do some research because you don't know what's in the stores, you know? Yeah, well, you've all been advised, man. Follow Plastic Soup Foundation. Plastic Soup Foundation, uh, the for me, the best charity organization on the planet for understanding fast fashion and understanding what happens, by who, where. And um, <laughs> Rhea Westerboss, who runs it, is an absolute hero of mine. Um, so she's basically been... She did this thing. I, I may misquote this, so apologies. Take this in like very loose quoted terms. If I remember her story correctly, she invited the fashion industry to this event where she says, I'm going to show you how to green your fashion. Something like that. Anyway, they all come in. She made sure she recognized who went in. I don't know if they made signatures or they took photographs. I don't know. But anyway, she knew who was in the room. And then anyway, she proceeds to show them the facts of what they were doing and said, the stuff that you're making is causing cancer. People are breathing in your microplastics and you're killing people across the planet. You will find out. And I have all of you in this room. I know who's here. And if you keep doing it, I'm going to sue the lot of you. No. <laughs> it's brilliant. I love her. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I'm like, what a badass. But yeah. <laughs> And to be fair, it's people that there are so many great people now, Jesus, out there. And yeah, but follow Plastic Soup Foundation. She does an amazing job. Um, we want to thank you guys so much. This has been a blast having you on. Um, really, you know, eye opening to kind of go through the project and really see, but more importantly, to understand that you can make a difference in the smallest ways. I think that's the biggest takeaway is there's there's so much you can do with such little effort, you know. And if you want to put a little bit more effort, there's even more you can do. Um, can you let us know exactly, let all the listeners know where we can find you? Absolutely. The easiest way to get us is on social media, which is just at Rewriting Extinction, all one word. Um, the only difference is Twitter, because our handle will be too long, which is Extinction. You can also find us on www.rewritingextinction.com, which has all of our social links, and we put out details on our projects and our clothing range and everything on there. Awesome. Uh, Sarah Paul, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, we're going to have a blast checking out the book, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping everybody can kind of uh, check it out. All our listeners, go check you guys out and support for an amazing cause, and also uh, take a look at some of the amazing work that some of these insanely, uh, you know, insanely well-known and uh, gifted contributors are putting into it. So thank you guys so very much. Thank you for having us, guys. Yeah, thank Absolutely. you. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. You guys have a great day. We'll be doing this again. Yeah.